Hope City, Lincoln. As I wrote about in my newsletter article a couple months ago, and I've mentioned many times, this is an unprecedented summer for our church and for our Heartland Church Network, our Association of Southern Baptists in this part of Nebraska. And that's because we have all these new church plants happening at the same time. And so one of those, Hope City, is targeting UNL and uh, the campus there and the students there. Uh, of course, other 20-somethings as well. But they have a team come that has come up today from Arkansas, comprised of about 30 people of all ages. And they're coming specifically for the Big Red Welcome, this gigantic event that happens on campus today. It's just crazy. Uh, it's kind of like a football game, but there's no older people. It's just students, you know, just all out there. You know how when you go to the stadium, it's the sea of heads all going. Yeah, it's like that. Um, And uh, they are doing their first ever worship service this Sunday morning as well at the Destinations Coffee House in the North Bottom there just across the Antelope Creek area from the city campus. And that worship service is at 11 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock right now. So I want us to pray for them in just a minute. So that's Hope City Church, Pastor Logan, Pastor Ralph, and then uh, Pastor Zane. They've got another young guy that's come on, is going to help them. It's pretty cool, the team they've been able to put together. Another one of our new church plants right here on Hill and Vanessa and Zuri. So wave at them on Hill. Yeah, there they are. Uh, And are you guys having Sunday school today in Spanish? In Espanol? Yeah, yeah. So you get the back of the sanctuary, I think, or something like that. Very good. So um, they're here and uh, still waiting on their visa and all those sort of things, but they're starting to reach Hispanic people here in Lincoln. So if you know anybody that speaks Spanish and be more comfortable learning about Jesus in Spanish, connect them with Angel. Uh, so you've got that one happening. And then our Air Park Church as well. Um, uh, you know, they had a... Um, Block parties uh, two weekends ago and had uh, amazing responses and got all kinds of folks. And then we prayed specifically for Pastor Josh to get a job. He got the job. So he got the job. I haven't heard from him when he starts. I think there was still some negotiation on start time and other things like that. But that means that Pastor Josh and his family will be moving to Lincoln, and he'll be bivocational as a church planner. So two weeks ago today, you prayed that he'd get that job. He got that job. So hallelujah for that. And then one more that is out on our bulletin board. We have a um, Sending Church bulletin board out there that you need to take a look at. We need to update the prayer requests and stuff on there. But that is the Calvary Church in Kearney. And they had a, a, a loper welcome, you know, like Calvary, uh, UNK is the lopers. And uh, there was 122 people that said they would be interested to learn more about Calvary Kearney Church. So I know that one's a little detached from us, three hours down I-80. But we can still pray for Spencer and Lauren and Juliet Parrish as they seek to establish that new life-giving church in Kearney as well. So pretty cool to see what God is doing. But right now, before we go any further, I want us to pray for Hope City and those pastors because they're going to have their first ever worship service in about 52 minutes. And uh, they've had a long weekend already. They're tired, but we've got to pray for them. God, our Father, it's just a joy for us as an established church. Matter of fact, the oldest Southern Baptist church in this state, a church planting church that over our history has planted 10 other churches, and now we get to be a part in one way or the other of praying for and partnering with and uh, giving money to help support these brand new church starts this summer. And I mean, how cool is that, that we get a guy like Pastor Dallas Powell, who is to catalyze church plants, and here they are, all this summer, brand new. 
And I know it could kind of freak us out because we think, man, we're not a big church and how could we help them? Well, we're going to do what we can. And you're going to call out different people to do different things, whether it's uh, go help with a block party or uh, go help with a sound system or bake cookies or give money or whatever it is. But God, specifically this morning, we pray for our brothers and sisters that have this vision to plant the Hope City Church for the folks at UNL and other 20-somethings in our community. We pray that you would bring the Holy Spirit with power this morning as they gather at Destinations Coffee House. We know that Pastor Logan's been here for a month now and has been meeting all sorts of folks, and you've opened gospel conversations for him. And we pray that it's not just the volunteer team from Arkansas and Logan and his lead team, but folks that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus would come to that coffee house right there this morning in about an hour's time. That if they're not up already, that by your Holy Spirit, you'd wake them up right now. And they'd have a strong compulsion that they have to go to church, even if they haven't ever been to church before in their life. And you would drag them down uh, to that coffee house, and they'd be able to hear a life-giving message about Jesus. God, we even pray that someone who's never trusted Christ as their Savior would make that decision today at Hope City Lincoln, and that you would begin this new work with this new church, and we could celebrate what you've done. We celebrate what you've done in Kearney. We celebrate what you've done uh, with Pastor Josh and giving him the job, and we look forward to him moving to town. And we celebrate what you've done in our 62 years as well, that this church you have continually blessed with person after person, life after life, to make us who we are. And now as we turn our attention to who we are today and the values that define our church, we pray that you would speak clearly to us by your Holy Spirit, encourage us that we might know and that we might be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, friends, we're talking about values this morning. What guides our decisions? And we all have values, but we don't necessarily talk about them. We don't necessarily think about them, uh, and, but we need to if we're going to be different. Because the facts are this, that our church is perfectly designed to get the results we're currently getting. And so if we want to get different results, we've got to change something about our design, change something about the way we handle and implement and do things that we do. So that's why we've presented a bylaws change. You've got to pack it out on the uh, information counter out there for our church family meeting in three weeks. And it's got proposed bylaws amendment. And I'll talk about that more in just a little bit about our proposed change to our bylaws making a church council instead of our four standing committees. But what it comes down to is intentionality. What are we going to intentionally do and how are we going to do that differently? You think about being a world-class athlete like an Olympian. I mean, we're going to have Winter Olympics coming up in a few months, right? And I, I love the Olympics, just the whole idea about it. But in order to be an Olympian, for instance, you've got to have quite a few things go in your direction, right? You need to have some world-class ability, God-given, you need to have developed those skills to be able to do it in a way that others don't and better. You're going to have to have some amazing and consistent coaching and probably move up the ranks with the type of coaching you get and all those sort of things. And then you are going to have to have an insane amount of intentionality and perseverance and passion 
to keep going. You do not get to be world-class with talent alone. You can have all the talent in the world, but unless you put it to work, and you put it to work day after day after day with an intentional plan to develop this, to develop that, to develop another. One of my favorite world-class athletes is Allison Felix. Allison Felix, who was teased in school, called her chicken legs because she had skinny little chicken legs. One of the greatest female sprinters of all time. Now, the other thing about her is she's a Baptist preacher's daughter, amen, and She's a Christ follower and she's a sweet gal, but doggone it, that girl works and she has worked for year after year after year, day after day after day to get to be as good as she is. Intentionality. When it comes to our lives as individuals, when it comes to our church, Robert Coleman, who wrote decades ago about discipleship, said this, if we're not intentional about discipleship, it's likely nothing will be done. Now, we come to church, and we have programs. When a church gets to be our age, that's what happens. We know we need to do certain things, so we establish programs to accomplish those things. And there is nothing wrong with programs. I'm thankful for Sunday school, for our adults, our teenagers, our children, and our preschoolers. I am thankful. You know I'm thankful for Awana and the fact that our kids and church kids, or kids from other churches, and maybe even unchurched kids from all around our city come to our church on Wednesday nights during the school year for Awana. I am thankful for our programs. Those are just two. Vacation, Bible school, I mean, you name it. Program after program after program. We do these things in order to make disciples. But do we just show up and go through the motions or is there intentionality in the way we're doing it? Do we think about our values? You see, we have to put our beliefs before our policies and practices. Our purpose, our values, our vision comes before our systems and our structures. Systems and structures, the way we do what we do, should follow what we believe. And that's one reason we're considering doing things a little bit differently in administration. Going from four different standing committees with 20 different individuals involved that meet uh, more than 20 times a year to going to one church council with seven individuals involved that will meet a dozen or more times a year. That we're going to streamline our administration in order to do a better job. Our ministries are going to remain the same. We're not replacing any ministry leaders. The church council is not telling ministries you can do this, you can't do that. That's not their job. Their job is administration not ministry. Yes, those overlap a certain amount, but this is an administrative council. In order that we might have different systems, different structures, with the intent of getting different and better results. When it comes to our values, however, pastor and author John Ortberg says this, we never have to psych ourselves up to believe the beliefs that are part of our mental map. If we've determined those things or values, you don't have to get psyched up about that. It's just who you are. It's what you choose. It's what you do. We live in this world. We struggle with flesh and desires, but we have to seek to value what God values. Jesus said it this way, Luke 16, 15, what is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. Lord, we should pray in response to that, what is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight, that God would help us value what he values. Let's look at our scripture memory verse for the month. 
Our scripture memory verse for the month is Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let's say it all together. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. That's our key verse for our value of intentional relationships, but our verse for this entire month to remind us why we gather together and that it is valuable to us to come together as a body to worship, valuable to us to have Sunday school classes where we get to know people better and study God's Word more, valuable to us to be in small groups and one-on-one relationships that help make us more like Jesus. So let's get to your first value on your list. Your first value for Southview is Bible engagement. Bible engagement. We read, hear, and study the Bible personally and regularly. Now, as this is written in our directional principles, it's written a little longer, but I wasn't going to give you five paragraphs, so I boiled it down to five sentences to put on your sermon outline. We read, hear, and study the Bible personally and regularly. The Bible defines itself as the bread of life. You don't live in this physical body without eating, do you? Some of us tease and say, well, I like to eat more than other people. And, you know, I think we all like to eat. I mean, we're all here. We all have a body that is corporeal and got corporeal because, you know, not only did God bless it with the ability to grow, but we put some calories in it to make it grow. Can I get an amen? And some calories we know taste better than others. Some calories are better for us than others. But God gave us a mouth that has taste buds in it, thank God for taste buds, in order that we might consume food of varying taste, preferably food that we like the taste of, in order that this body physically might grow. Now, we know this body needs other things. It needs rest. It needs exercise. It needs all kinds of stuff, but it's got to have food. How long are you going to live in this body if you stop putting food in it? Seven days. Stop putting water in it, uh, I mean, or excuse me, uh, food in it uh, is going to be longer, like uh, 40 days, but water in it, seven days. You've got to consume in order to grow. The Bible's teaching, Ted Tripp says, the Bible's teaching is designed to be a means to an end. The end is a radically transformed life. Your scripture verse there, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, we are completely equipped We are completely equipped. That's the blanks you want to fill in there. And we've got the scripture reference up there. That all scripture is God-breathed, so he inspired it. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly, that means absolutely, positively, completely, equipped for every good work. Not just some good works, But every good work, everything God intends you to do in your life, everything God intends you to be in your life is informed by, filled up by, fueled by, fed by God's word for your life. 
And some of you have been here for years, and you're like, oh, why does Pastor Aaron always have to talk about reading the Bible and hearing the Bible and studying the Bible and journaling about the Bible and meditating on the Bible and memorizing the Bible? Because it works. It's the number one determiner of how your life in Christ is going to be, is how you, gauge the Bible, how you engage the Bible and how often you engage the Bible. At least four times a week, at least ten minutes a time. If you only ate four times a week physical food, only 10 minutes at a time, your body would not be very healthy. We would have to come visit you like in the hospital or something like that. And then we wonder why our spiritual bodies are not too healthy. Friends, we need to engage God's word every day. And I use the word engage because remember the studies have shown us it's not just you reading God's word, but you hearing God's word. How many of you have a smartphone? Raise your hand. And if you don't have a smartphone, but you have a tablet of some sort, raise your hand now. Now, keep your hands up, smartphone and or tablet. It's like everybody here. Do you know the Bible apps available to you will read Scripture to you? And if you do not have a smartphone or a tablet, you probably have access to the Internet, don't you? And you can go to Bible.com, and you know it will read the Scripture to you. And you know, if you don't have any of those things, you probably have a cassette player. And there are still cassettes available that you can put the cassette in and push play. And if you're really fancy, maybe you can speed it up so it'll read it faster. You should get done twice the time. And you can hear God's Word is what I'm getting at. I mean, have you ever thought about listening to God's Word while you're on the elliptical machine? Or while you're walking through the neighborhood and your friend couldn't make it that night. Have you ever thought about listening to God's Word while you're on the way to work? When you listen to God's Word, it's the same as reading God's Word as far as its effect in your life. And that's just getting it in you. But then there's that meditation, that journaling, that memorization that makes all the difference. We believe in the total inerrancy of God's Word as a church, the absolute sufficiency of God's Word. There is a reason why every Sunday you see me up here with this thing, my Bible. This Bible was given to me in my first pastoral ministry job in uh, the summer of 1989, and I still preach out of it today. It's starting to fall apart. Getting a little dogged. I don't know what's going to happen when it does fall apart. But I preach out of this Bible because I know that it's the bread of life, the word of life. It makes a difference for me. It makes a difference for you. We believe in the life-changing power of God's Word. Therefore, we regularly engage it personally and through group study. And God's Word for our lives as individuals, for our church as a whole, is a foundation to all we are and do. Now, you look at your sermon outline there. You see you've got five values. Starts with Bible engagement, right? And the second value in that list of your um, values is worshipful lifestyle. So that's more than Sunday morning. We'll get there in a minute. The third one, intentional relationships. The fourth one, gifted service. And the fifth one is gospel sharing. We put those in order of what we thought was actual values for our church and aspirational values. You know the difference. Actual is the one you really do. Aspirational is the one you know you should do, but you don't do as well as you think. So when we, as a team, rewriting our values, looked at this, we came out unanimous in the order of these proposed values. We went, okay, I guess we got it right then. And we put them in this order. Because we saw that Southview is distinctive in the fact that we seek to 
have folks engage in the Bible. Bible engagement is the single best way to change. We can engage it comprehensively, prayerfully, closely, rapidly, even joyfully, audibly, congregationally, missionally. We seek to engage the Bible in our lives. Your second value is a worshipful lifestyle. And as I said quickly in passing, we'll fill in the blank now, is more than Sunday morning. More than Sunday morning. Worship is living our lives devoted to God. So worship, as we preached about a few weeks ago, is not just what we do here for an hour, an hour and a half on Sunday morning. We might call this a worship service because we seek to worship here. But worship is how you live your life. Day in, day out, moment by moment, what are you doing to serve Jesus and how you live? You've got a scripture verse there, 1 Peter 4.11. Now, I didn't ask you to turn over to Hebrews 10.24 and 20, or excuse me, to our, our, our 2 Timothy 1, but I do want you to turn over with me to 1 Peter. So this one shouldn't be too hard to find. It's towards the back of your New Testament, right after Hebrews and James, and then you get 1 and 2 Peter. 1 Peter 4.11. I know you can see it on the big screen. But I want you to see it in your own copy of God's Word. Even if it's electronic, you can highlight it. You can email it to yourself. You can tag it somehow. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. What he's saying is that everything we do in our words and in our deeds should be for the praise, the glory, the worship of Jesus. That people ought to look at your life and say, wow, praise God for the way that guy is living. Wow, thank Jesus that that lady is my friend. Because you make a difference. You are salt and light. And you are transformative in the lives of others because Jesus has transformed you as you have engaged Him. It's not hard to see what we worship, where we spend our time, where we spend our energy, where our minds go. You can check your checkbook to see. You can check your calendar to see. You can search through what are the things that keep you up at night. Even in a negative way, we worship those things that bring us anxiety. The things that we study, the things that we care about, the things that we put our passion and our energy in, those are the things we worship. Again, I'm not saying it's bad to have hobbies, but we have a life that we can give, not a life in which we can take. And we've got to find that balance in how we live our lives as worshiping God. And so that's daily submission. That's prayer without ceasing. That's willingness to serve others. And that's a constant attitude of here I am, Lord, send me. How can I be used today? It may mean for you that if you work outside your home, Let's say your morning's busy getting ready, but did you try to get to work just a few minutes early? And then you get to work in enough time that maybe even you just sit in your car and center your mind's attention and your heart's affection on God 
in a worshipful way before you even get out of the car and walk into that workplace. Maybe your home life is difficult. So maybe it's the opposite way for you. You love work, but when you come home between work and the house, you don't turn on the radio necessarily. And yes, you've got to pay attention to your driving, but you seek to center your mind's attention and your heart's affection on God so that when you walk in the house, you are ready to serve your family in Jesus' name and bring glory to Him by the way that you love them. I don't know the situation, and it may not be just work or home. It's your entire life that you spend. I'm just using those as examples for us. And the way we live our lives Worship. Let's move on to the third of our values. And the third one is intentional relationships. We are tired of shallow acquaintances. So we give ourselves to others. We have a lot of shallow acquaintances. Most of us do anyhow. Folks that you're like, well, uh, you know, I call them hey neighbors, right? I may have even forgot their name, or if I know their name, that's about all I know about them. And so when I see them, I'm going to be friendly, of course, because I'm a Nebraskan and I'm a pastor, right? So I'm like, hey, neighbor, I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know what worries them, how I can pray for them, how I can meet their needs, because I've been shallow and I've only been acquainted with them. I have not sought to know them that I might love them more deeply. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was martyred by the Germans in World War II, said this, that the church, excuse me, I should say the Nazis, the church is the church only when it exists for others. The church is the church only when it exists for others. And in our relationships as individual members of the church, are we existing for others? You've got scripture verses there, John 13, 34, and 35. Turn with me over to John 13. In the midst of Jesus delivering his final sermon to his disciples and talking to them about, here's how I want you to live and how I want you to be different, he delivers these impactful jewels, these principles of how we live our life. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Friends, if you've got a question on how to treat somebody, let's say they're acting like an absolute fool or an abject jerk, and you just want to smack them every time you see them. Can I get an amen? Here's your bottom line rule. Love them. Love them. Love them like Jesus loved them. Love them. It doesn't mean you lay down and let them walk on you or abuse you, but it does mean that you seek to have an attitude of love in which you relate to them. Our intentional relationships, we want to give sacrificially in an otherish way. We want to seek meaningful relationships. Nelson Searcy said this about intention. Many of the issues we struggle with in life and ministry can be traced back to a lack of intentionality. Are we going to be intentional in the way we love others in order that we might make a difference in their life? Remember last week we talked about the me and the we of discipleship. The me is how I am growing in Christ Jesus 
that I am a growing Christ follower. The we is what I do to help others grow in Christ Jesus as his follower. Let's move to number four on your outline. Gifted service. We are uniquely shaped to fulfill God's purpose by serving others. Now, SHAPE, the reason that has five capital letters is that's our acronym we use around here. And that acronym, if you don't know it, you can write it down real quick. S stands for spiritual gifts. That we all have different spiritual gifts. Depending on how you count, you might come up with 9 or 12 or 16 or even 23 spiritual gifts. But we all have a different combination of those. H is your heart. All of us have different things that our passions go towards. Heart. A is your abilities. All of us have been given different abilities. I was chatting with Amy this morning before church, and she's taking an advanced accounting class. God bless Amy that she can do that. That is beyond my ability. I am glad that there are Amys in this world that can keep yahoos like me straight when it comes to accounting. She has those abilities. P is your personality. Not just introvert and extrovert, but how God's wired you and who you're going to relate to. And E is your experiences. All of us are different. And here's the great thing about the fact that God made all of us different. He made us all different with different shapes, spiritual gifts, hearts, abilities, personalities, and experience. And then he brings us together in this body called Southview, a local body as a believer. And he puts us together so that we might be, what's my phrase, better together. That we can do together what we could not do alone. You look at a sports team. There are different sizes, shapes, and abilities of people on that sports team because the higher up the ranks you go, the more specialized they are. You're not going to put a dude like me to try to start at a tackle position in NFL football. I will get squished in the first play. That's just not, I'm not made that way. Let me illustrate this. I have a friend of mine named Skip Wallace, and we served as missionaries in Africa together. Now, Skip is this, like, if you looked up the word lanky in the dictionary, Skip's picture would be beside it, right? He's like six foot five, six foot six, skinny as a rail, and he just kind of moves like this. I mean, he just like got these moves in his body. It's like there's something in him that's, he's made of springs or something, right? And so Skip grew up nearby Disneyland. And he applied for a job at Disneyland as a teenager. And even 40 years ago, when Skip was a teenager, Disney had a very intensive interview process of sorting folks out that, oh, we think you can do this, or we think you can do that. He walks in, after filling out the application, the person takes one look at him and says, you're going to be goofy. And he says, what? You're calling me goofy? Because, I mean, he'll call people out. And she says, no, we need a new goofy. You're going to be goofy. He says, just like that? You determined I'm goofy? And she says, well, look at you. (laughs) Now, this dude played basketball for Oklahoma State University in Division I, okay? So he had some abilities, right? But he had this lankiness, this goofiness, so that with one look, the lady at Disneyland says, you're going to be goofy. And so for sure enough, for three summers, his summer job was to dress up in that costume and be goofy, and he was great at it. Not all of you are made to be goofy, even though some of us act a little goofy from time to time. 
But we all have a different shape. And I just use Skip's physical characteristics to illustrate to us that God's given us different abilities. Now, you're in John. Turn to Romans. Romans. So you go to through Acts and Romans and get to Romans chapter 12. There's a couple passages of Scripture that talk to us about God putting us together as a body. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. But Romans 12 4 through 8 for our purposes this morning. Just as each of us has one body with many members. So you've got a physical body, it's got different parts. And these members don't all have the same function. So it is with Christ. We who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. The parts of your body belong to one another. I mean, your big toe, if it ceases to belong to your body, that's going to be a problem for you to walk, right? You need your big toe. We need everybody in this body. And what does it say, verse 6? We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now, those are just a few of the spiritual gifts that the Bible lists for us. But the point is... That although we're different, gifted, gifted differently and shaped differently, God calls us together for His good. Years ago, when we first formed our market to market relay team, and this is running from the old market in Omaha at that time to Haymarket in Lincoln, so 80 miles at that time, and eight guys on a team, and you do the math, we each ran about 10 miles, but we did it in three to five mile sections or stages, right? I'll never forget, one time I got done with a stage, and I was just gassed, right? I'm about ready to die, I'm probably turning purple. And George Hansen, God bless Dr. George, he says to me, You know, Aaron, you look like you'd be faster than that. (laughs) Brian Witt remembers those days and running up that hill there. Yeah, yeah. Dave was with us. I mean, yeah, I look like I would be faster. You'd think with a body like this, I could move these legs faster. But those legs only can go as fast as that heart and those lungs make them work, right? My point is this, friends. When we think about our shape... And we think about the fact that we're gifted for service. We can develop. Because George's, excuse me, George's observation of me did give me a little fire in the belly. You know that? And I did get faster. And I did go further from that point in time. And I wasn't world class. Nah, I didn't set any records or anything like that. But where I might have ran an 820 mile then, I got to where I could run like a 730 mile. I was old then and I'm old now. I can't run anymore. What I'm saying is you can develop your abilities if you focus with intentionality. Let's move on to your fifth and final. Fifth and final value is gospel sharing. Since we've been saved by Jesus, we seek to share his love with others. We seek to share his love with others. Matthew 28, turn over to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, we know, is the Great Commission in verse 18 through 20. Jesus, giving instructions to his disciples, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples. The best translation I've preached about in the past is actually win disciples of all nations. Best translation, all peoples, every tribe and tongue. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When I was a kid, the mall nearest our house was Northeast Mall in Hearst, Texas. And Northeast Mall had, you know, in like this big court area where one hallway came and another hallway came, and then there was an outside exit uh, to a large parking area. And one of the anchor stores, Dillard's Department Store, was right there at that nexus of those hallways and this gigantic court. And this court was probably about as big as our sanctuary. It's the place that, you know, they built up the stand and Santa was there at Christmas time. And, you know, if there was a choir singing, it would be there in their seating areas. Well, right at the edge of that court, with the hallway coming in from the parking area there, one hallway in the mall here, one hallway here, right there strategically placed, was this terribly painted brown and yellow and orange place with these big yellow pipes that came out into the mall with these vent thingies on them. It was the cookie company. The cookie company, and they called those pipes, they had painted on them smell pipes. And sure enough, I don't know how they did it, you could walk and stand under that pipe, and the smell was there. That amazing, fresh, baked cookie smell. Have I got anybody's tummy grumbling yet? Oh, my. And those cookies were like, you know, when I was a kid, they're as big as my head, right? They're like bigger than the average cookie your mom would make at home, about six inches around. And they were kind of, you know, gooey and oily or something. And they gave them to you on this waxy paper because... Napkins just wouldn't work, you know. You, you needed that kind of cookie or that thing, sort of thing to hold that cookie. But it was the fragrance that drew you in. You know, there's a cookie place at one of our malls here in town, and it's kind of hard to walk by that place, isn't it, without getting tempted. There's something about the fragrance that draws us in. Friends, do we have that sort of fragrance about us? I'm not talking about do you wear good cologne or did you not bathe today? I'm talking about, is there the fragrance of Christ in your life? That people are just like, man, I want to be around that guy. That lady is just something else. I want to be near her because there's something about her life that makes me feel better about my life. And then, not only do we live our lives sharing with others, but we actually share a verbal witness of who Jesus is in our lives so that somebody might get saved and they might have the Holy Spirit in them and they might have that fragrance as well. What a great opportunity we have to be like Jesus, to share the gospel, to serve as we're gifted, to be intentional in our relationships, to worship in everything we do, and to engage Scripture daily. Let's pray. God, our Father, it's so good to open your word and to be able to consider the values that you've called us to and the way we ought to live our life. And we pray that of those five values, whichever one we might need to do differently, wherever we need to surrender and say, God, uh, I'm not doing this well on my own. Would you take over? That we would do that right now. God, we pray if there's anyone here who hasn't trusted Christ as their Savior, that they would right now confess their sins and ask Jesus to be their personal Savior. And Lord, God, we thank you for your love for us and all you've done for us. 
and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.